What's up, people? So glad that everybody is with us today, whether you're online, Facebook, um, on the website, or you're watching on YouTube or listening to a podcast. For those of you that didn't know, we do have a YouTube channel and we have a podcast. Somebody asked me this week, what's our podcast called? It's called the Second Chance Church Podcast. We are very, very, very innovative here. That's what we called it. And for those in the room, super glad you're here today. Um, as we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Nacho Church. Now, here's what's interesting. In, um, sometimes I get a chance to do Q&As, and when I get to do these every once in a while, people will ask me, where does your like inspiration or your motivation for your sermons come from? Like, Where do you get your sermon ideas? Now, now, I know the answer that they're looking for. Like, I know what I'm supposed to say. I'm supposed to say the Bible, which ultimately, yes. But I approach every message that I preach, and, um, and when we get into the building, which I'm going to talk about today, um, every service that we do, I don't approach it like a science project. I, pro I approach it like, like a piece of art told you like that. Anyway, and so, so an artist, if you ask an artist where, an, where they get inspiration from, an artist gets inspiration from all sorts of different things. And so, um, and it's the same with me. When I look at a sermon, I approach it as a, as a piece of art. So sometimes I get my inspiration while I'm listening to music. Um, and, and, and let me just say this, not necessarily Christian music all the time, right? I, but, but, but music, um, walks on the beach are amazing. I can get inspiration from there. A really awesome sunset, sometimes I'll have a thought or an idea hit me. Um, a movie or a play or a musical, I, all kinds of ideas. Now, they ultimately wind up in the Bible, but, but to the Bible, and, and that's how I get my inspiration. But, but this, the, the inspiration for this message came about two weeks ago when I was sitting on my deck one night watching the sunset thinking about nachos. Now, let me kind of do this. I forgot to do this on my phone. Thinking about nachos. This, when I think about nachos, is what my mind automatically goes to. Because I'm a child of the 80s, this is what nachos were when they first came out. Um, you could get these at the skating rink. Uh, you could get these at, uh, at the canteen at school, Easley Junior High, Go Breakers. Um, you, could, you could get, th this was nachos. How many of you remember this not these nachos? However, over the years, they became a little bit more complex and complicated. Like somebody said, well, maybe we should add some um, salsa. And somebody said, well, hey, that's a pretty good idea. And then somebody said, maybe we should add some guacamole, which amen and yes, you should add guacamole. And somebody said, well, maybe we should add some more cheese. And I'm like, more cheese is always good. And somebody said, well, maybe we should add some chicken and maybe we should add this and maybe we should add this. And so over time, People began having more and more ideas about what nachos should be. And so it went from this. I'm sorry. I don't know what my, what my phone is doing, Ed. I'm, do what? It went, from, it went from this, hold on, to this. <laughs> this is a, is it 55 pounds, Ed? 55 pounds? 60 pounds, 55 ingredients. 60 pounds, 55 ingredients of nachos. Now, that's a big difference from what we originally saw. Chips and cheese to this. Now, I'm sure this is good. I'm sure this is great. I'm sure, and if there's stuff you don't like in it, you just kind of pick through it or whatever. But when I started thinking about 
our church, Second Chance, and what we're going to be, I started thinking about when Jesus announced he was going to start this movement called the church. And basically, he said he was going to start a movement that we were going to be known because of the way that we loved one another. It was chips and cheese. It was simple. However, over the past 2,000 years, chips and cheese have turned into this right here. And so all I want to do today is kind of share with you the vision, just the 30,000-foot vision of where we're going to go as a church, what we're going to be about, what we're not going to be about, and kind of go ahead and let people know that for some people, this is going to be nacho church. In other words, it's not going to be your church, and that's absolutely okay. Go ahead and go to that next slide, Ed. Not Joe Church. Now, um, there's a couple. There's a couple of uh, th things that, if you're looking for in particular, I just want to kind of go ahead and listen, 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 listen. The purpose of today's message is not to start a fight. The purpose of today's message is not to start arguments or anything like that. I don't have time for that. There's too many people going to hell. The purpose of today's message is to share with you what we're going to be about and what we're not going to be about. So it's a high possibility that we're not your church, number one, if you're looking for the perfect pastor. We are not your church. I know, right? I'm completely shocked, completely, completely. If you're looking for the perfect pastor, we're, we're not your church. Now, I was talking to a friend recently who used to pastor a church. Um, he and I are kind of in the same situation, and he said this. He said this, and it's so true. He said, everybody loves it when the pastor says that he or she is not perfect. They just don't love it when the pastor proves that he or she is not perfect. And, and I'm just telling you right now, I am not perfect and I never will be. That's not an excuse. It's just reality. In fact, there's a passage of scripture that the apostle Paul wrote to a young guy he was mentoring named Timothy, and he was listing some qualifications for being a leader in the church. Now, there's two types of approaches to Scripture. There's letter of the law and spirit of the law. Letter of the law is we're going to do exactly what this says, and we're not going to deviate at all. Spirit of the law says this is kind of a general idea. If we're going to go letter of the law with what I'm about to share with you, not only am I not qualified to lead in the church, there's not a human being on the planet that's qualified. So let's just kind of go through it because I want to do this. First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. I always like that noble that was in there. Felt. <laughs> anyway, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, <laughs> uh -oh. not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well. Now, this is what the Bible, this is like letter of the law, spirit of the law. So I just want to kind of go through some things and let you know some things about me so that nobody's shocked. So when you come to second chance, or if you come to second chance, this might be the message where you decide you don't want to come to chance, second chance. And that's okay. That's okay. I just want to kind of go through these one and just kind of let you know a couple things. The first thing they said, or the apostle Paul said you needed to be is above reproach. 
I am not above reproach. Let me just kind of go ahead and tell you, um, I've laughed at some jokes I probably shouldn't have laughed at. I've told some jokes that I probably shouldn't have told. I've gossiped about people, and I've let people gossip about people to me, and I lied to the DMV about my weight on my driver's license, which is why I always use that illustration. So when it comes to being above reproach, I'm not that guy. You can always find some dirt on me, and I'll bet you if we dug deep enough, we could find some dirt on you too. All right, next one, next one, next one. Um, faithful to his wife. Well, if we're going letter of the law, spirit of the law, letter of the law, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, if you've looked at another woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her. In your heart, I don't know a man walking that hasn't at least given a beautiful woman a second glance. So, bam, disqualified right there. Let's keep going, let's keep going. Uh, temperate, it's not me. I'm not a temperate person. The other day, I got in line at the grocery store, 10 items or less, and the guy in front of me had 17 items. Yes, I counted. I counted. If, I, I did. And I automatically got angry at this guy. Now, some people are like, it's not a big deal. It's a big deal because he had 17 items, and the sign said 10. I was driving down the road um, one night. It was pretty late. There was a car in the passing lane going slow next to another car, I pulled right up on their bumper, I brighted them, because that's what you do. You bright them. And they eventually got over, I drove by them, and it was just like two little old people, and like, oh, I didn't go, oh. I thought, you know what, they need to take a freaking driving test, because they shouldn't be on the road at night clogging up the interstate. I'm not a temperate person. Let's go to the next one. Self-control. No, not me. Like, like this thing right here is proof that I am not. How many of you, how many of you honestly in this room have ever got in a text fight? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm like, yeah. And then like as soon as you type it, you're like, I shouldn't send it. I shouldn't send it. I shouldn't send it. Send felt so good. Um, and nothing ever gets settled. Social media wars, um, Chick, Chick-fil-A nuggets, self-control out the window. It's not me. Let's keep going. Um, respectable. <laughs> Google my name. Next one, uh, hospitable. Hospitable and other uh, passages, this means you love having people to come over to your house. It's not me. I'm a private person. I don't want people in my house. I want to walk around in my underwear. TMI for some people, but you know what? That's, not why, that's why you're not coming to my house because that would get a little weird, wouldn't it? All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, able to teach. This is debatable. This is debatable. I've been accused of being a heretic. Um, people ask me a lot, do you get nervous before you teach? Every time. Get nervous before every message. Never been an exception. Always get nervous before every message. And so this is even in question, able to teach. All right, we'll keep rolling. What we got? Not given to drunkenness. Well, let's talk about this for a second because I went to rehab for this. In rehab, I was actually diagnosed with PTSD, not alcoholism, which some of you are like, <gasps> That's not what I heard. It's because you haven't talked to people that have actually spoken to me. Just a thought. Just wanted to say that for the record. Because of PTSD, I over-medicated on alcohol. They said you would have over-medicated on something. Eventually, just with anybody that has any sort of addiction problem, you can't 
treat the, uh, you can't treat what's going on. You've got to go deeper into the issue or they'll just switch things that they're addicted to. And so what, I, what the real problem in my life was identified, I was able to deal with that. Just to let you know, I haven't been drunk in over two years. I, I can't even tell you the last time I had a drink. And so while I have conquered this in my life for the moment, for the moment, who knows what's going to happen? Because I would have never predicted what happened. So, so while I've conquered this for the moment, this has been a part of my life. And for some people who don't enjoy the fact that maybe your pastor, or your church leader had a past, that was a part of my life because there was a time in my life where I drank way too much. And if that's an issue for you, that's okay. Listen, that's okay. We're just not your church. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Uh, not violent, but gentle. This... <laughs> I told y'all before, I won't rehash it. I'm just going to let you know that I'm a little violent sometimes. I almost got in a fight in Israel, in the, whole, in the Holy Land, in the, right, right outside the Garden of Gethsemane. I almost got in a fight with a guy who was trying to sell one of the girls on our trip. It was a, a, what was it, a book? It was a book. He was like, no, you buy the book. And anyway, I'm not going to break it down. I'm just saying I can justify it because just a few feet away was the temple and Jesus cleared the temple and I was going to clear his temple. All right. That's all I'm going to tell you. All right. Let's keep going. Um, not quarrelsome. <laughs> little secret about me. I love to argue with people. And sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this. I don't know if you've ever done this. I argue with people in my mind. And I, isn't it cool because you always win that argument? You always win. So sometimes I'm a little quarrelsome. Sometimes I'm, I'm quarrelsome on social media. Sometimes I'm quarrelsome in person. So once again, that's, I'm, we, we, so far I am like, oh, for whatever we've done so far. All right, let's go to the last one. Not a lover of money. Well, I don't hate it. Like, can we just be honest? We give the rich young ruler hell, don't we? Like whenever, I've never heard a sermon preached about him that was good. But let me ask you a question. If Jesus came up to you and said, everything you got, give it to the poor and follow me, would you do it? Now, some of you are like, I would. Because all you have is student loans and <laughs> car payments. And yeah, I'll give him that, right? Jesus like, thanks a lot. Um, like, I, I don't hate it. Like, I, I spent some time homeless. When I was in high school, I loved sleeping indoors, wearing clothes, and eating food. You know what all three of those things take? Money. And this is where people go, oh, but Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, we shouldn't worry about those things. Then you give up everything you've got and follow him. I, I, I kind of like having some money in my pocket. Anybody with me on this one? Yeah, yeah it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Last one. I think it's the last one. Must manage his family well. Obviously, um, most of you know, maybe you don't know, I am currently going through a divorce. That's all I'm going to say about the subject out of respect for the people involved. But there are people um, in, in the world that say if you've been divorced or if you're going through a divorce, you should not be a pastor or a church leader. Now, I just want to share with you, there are godly people on both sides of this argument. The fact is, that is a reality in my life. And if you think a divorced person shouldn't be a pastor. Listen, I'm not going to argue with you. Nobody's going to argue with you. We're not trying to prove a point. I'm just saying that is a reality for our church. And if you're not okay with that, that's fine. This is not your church. This is not your church. All right. Number two, 
Number two, this is not your church. Um, if you have super high expectations, if you have super high um, expectations, in fact, the one thing I want everybody to wrap their mind around is this. We are a church plant. We are not a campus launch. We are a church plant. Now, a church plant means we're starting from scratch. So I'm, I'm just going ahead and telling somebody uh, emailed in the other day and said, we're driving from Michigan to be at your first service. Don't do that. Don't do that. I know you want to get out of Michigan because it's Michigan. Um, I know it's cold. I know it's Big Ten football, and Big Ten football always implodes at this time of year because you guys are awful. I know. I know you want to get out of Michigan, but please, please, it's not going to be worth it. I'm telling you right now, opening Sunday is not going to be that awesome. It's not. It's, it's, it's not worth the, the, the drive, I promise you. Okay, let me just kind of walk you through a couple things. We're going to have a nursery, like babies through two years old. Everybody else comes in the auditorium. And I know, well, I thought we were going to have a preschool ministry and a children's ministry. We are, but listen to me. It takes time to get there. You got to develop volunteers. You got to do background checks. You know, I, I'm a little worried about the person that shows up and goes, I want to work with the kids. <laughs> You're not getting anywhere near the kids, bro. Um, so, so we're going to have a nursery. Eventually, we'll grow into preschool. Eventually, we'll get to grade school. But um, th this is people like, when are we going to have a student ministry? I don't know. When are we going to have small groups? I have, I have no idea. I have no idea. If you want a small group, look around, go, that person, that person, that person, I'm going to ask them, do they want to go eat after church today? That's going to be our small groups. And the reason why, listen, we're going to get there, but understand that we are a church plant, not a campus launch. Um, you guys are stuck with me, uh, this big announcement, you're stuck with me for the first several months. I'm going to be leading worship and preaching. Now, let me pause. If you're a worship leader, I am not looking for a resume. Don't send me a resume, and please, I've got these. Don't send me a YouTube video of you singing. I, I'm serious. I've gotten them. I'm not calling names. I just don't need that um, this week. If, if, well, I'm gifted to lead in worship. Great. Show up and help us set up and tear down every week for about eight weeks, and let's see how dedicated you are to serving, and then we can put you on stage. Like, like it's opening Sunday. I'm telling you, it's, it's not worth it. Parking is going to be awful. Awful. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. We, we, where we're, we got like seven spaces. Everybody else, you're, you're going to have to walk. And we've had people go, well, could we get some golf carts? No, we can't give golf carts. You know why? Because we're a church plant. We can't, we, we, don't, we can't afford them. If you got a golf cart, you want to bring it? Praise the Lord. We don't know where to park it, all right? We don't have storage. We don't have, we, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you got super, super high expectations about opening Sunday, and I can't wait, it's, it's, I'm just telling you, and I'm not trying to be like the over humble, I'm just telling you, it's not going to be that great because we're a church plant. But we'll get there. Takes time. Takes time. Number three, number three, we're not your church. If you want the staff to do everything. Uh, and, and the reason I have to say this is because you're in the southeastern part of the United States. Now, I wrote this statement down this week because it was good to just keep in mind, not just for church staff, but for overall general, general like mental health. Here we go, this statement about anxiety. One of the primary causes of anxiety is people trying to be who others expect them to be and do everything others expect them to do. Like, for example, some people right now, you're in college and you're in a major that you hate, but you're in that major because your mom or your dad expected you to be in that major. 
And then you get to carry the debt so they can look good in front of their um, friends. But that's a whole other message for a whole other time. So one of the things I'm dedicated to is I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to empower other people to do what God's called them to do. Because one of the things I've always said, this next statement, one of the things I've always said, and I still believe with all my heart, is a church is not effective when the staff ministers to the people, but rather when the body ministers to the body. I believe everybody walking in the doors that has Christ in their life has a gift given to them by God through the Holy Spirit and can use that gift to effectively serve others. So we're going to be a church where we're seriously committed to loving one another and serving one another. It's not going to be a few people, because we don't have many staff right now, serving everybody. It's going to be all of us serving one another. And that's not something that you can get fired up about. That's okay. There are churches that will probably valet your car somewhere around, all right? They'll be glad to do that for you. But we're going to be about serving one another, not just a small group of elite people serving other people. Number four, we're not your church. If, if you hate a certain group of people, we're not your church. So let, let, me, make it, let me make it more real. If you hate gay people, we're not your church. Well, period, the Bible says, well, the, the, the Bible says a lot. We talked about that not too long ago. If you hate transgender people, we're not your church. By the way, if you hate people that are not gay, we're, we're not your church. If you hate Democrats, we're not your church. If you hate Republicans, we're not your church. If you hate Carolina fans, we're probably your church. But, but, but I mean, I mean, this, I mean, it has its limits, right? But if, if there's a certain group of people you hate, and, you th and you're going to ask our church to take political stances and things like that, I'm just telling you, listen, 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 there are dozens of churches within a mile radius that would probably love to do that for you, but at the end of the day, we're not going to be known for what we're against. We're going to be known for what we're for, and we are for people meeting Jesus and taking their next step as he leads them to take their next step. So if you hate a certain group of people, we're not, we're not your church. Last but not least, number five, we're not your church if you don't love people far from God. There's a debate in the world, and I'm not going to be a part of this debate. I'm just going to tell you where I land. Is church for church people or is church for unchurched people? We're going to be a church for unchurched people. We're going to be a church for unchurched people. Un I mean, very, very, very intentionally, we're going after people far from God. And the, where I get this idea from is this amazing man that I read about named Jesus. Jesus, in, um, in Luke 19, he's hanging out with Zacchaeus. And if you grew up in a church background, Zacchaeus was the wee little man. And the wee little man was he. And he climbed up in the sycamore tree because the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Lord came passing by, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you, you remember that whole thing? Well, in Luke chapter 19, verse 7, all the people got upset with Jesus. And I love the way the New Living Translation puts this next verse. In Luke 19, 7, the Bible says this. But the people were displeased. This is even before Facebook. So, like, like you know it's crazy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Those are the people I love. Those are the people we're doing this church for. And the people that grumbled were eventually the people that killed him because they didn't recognize him. This is who we're for.
You know why? Because Jesus said just a few verses later in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's what, that's, that's what we're about right there. So any of those five things, listen to me. Listen, listen, please, please, please. Don't send us an email this week if you disagreed with any of that because we're very secure. I've already, Carly's got, Carly's only working two days this week, okay? She just got Wednesday, Wednesday off and after Wednesday, she might not even reply anyway. And I've just told her to say, we love you. We thank the world for you. We love everybody. We're not going to fight. We're, we're, but that's, those are just facts. Those are just facts, facts, facts. But, 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 but before I end today, I want to just share three quick things about what we are for as a church. I want to share with you what we are for as a church because I want you to understand what you're getting into. And, and the reason I'm saying it is this. Don't, don't miss this. Everybody says that they love a church full of messy people until the messy people show up. And then we got to figure out what we're going to do with the messy people. And, and Jesus sat and ate with them. So, so this is what we're for. Number one, number one, number one. We're a church where you can come as you are. I just want you to feel comfortable walking in. And, and where I got this is I remember I was talking to a relative one time and I was working in another church and I was like, I want you to come to church with me. And I remember her saying this, I need to get my life right before I come to church. Have you ever heard that? I mean, you felt that, right? I need to get my life right. Well, number one, there's some churches you could never get your life right enough to walk into the doors of that church. But number two, listen, we're all jacked up. In fact, do you know the angriest Christians are just angry at other Christians because those other Christians are committing sins? That It's just that they're not committing. Everybody's got junk. And here's what I've discovered about the loudest critics. They've, always got, they've usually got the most to hide. So at the end of the day, I just want to be a church where you can come and you, you just, I don't care. If it, just walk in the doors as you are. Because that's how people, people that were not welcome in the temple were always welcome with Jesus. The lepers, the blind, the lame, all those people were always welcome with Jesus. And after they spent some time with him, they always walked away changed. So at the end of the day, I want everybody to understand that we're going to have a church where I'm not trying to change you. I just want to introduce you to this incredible man named Jesus who absolutely changed my life and continues to change my life to this day. I want you to be able to walk in the room as you are. Pear, you make it sound like anybody's welcome. You got it. You got it. You got it. Number two, number two, where you can be who you are. I had a friend that was a youth pastor, and if you've ever done youth ministry, one of the things you have to learn how to do is crazy games. Now, I'm going to give you a holiday game because you got some family coming in, and, and y'all can play this game, um, but you can only do it once because after I tell you this game and you do it once, they're not going to, but if you got some family coming in that you don't like, this is a great game. <laughs> you, you get three kids up in front of everybody with vanilla ice cream. And have, how many of you ever gotten an ice cream headache? You ate the ice cream too fast. Okay, yeah, me too, me too. And so the contest is to see which kid can eat the ice cream the fastest 
and kind of endure the ice. It's, it's really it's punishment. It's torturing kids, but, but it's okay because it's in the name of Jesus, right? So, so you do this, but, but all three bowls are not vanilla ice cream. There's one bowl that's actually frozen mayonnaise. Yeah. You can get Uncle Rick on this real good, can't you, right? And so, so it's real funny to watch this because there's these three kids up there, and these two kids are like throwing down. And inevitably, about 50% of the time, the third kid throws up. And in and, and, and youth ministry, you get points for that. It's awesome, right? In, in big church, you don't do that. In children's church, but in youth ministry, if you have a game that makes a kid throw up, the youth pastor gets a raise. Now, what, what, you say, why would you talk about that? The reason I would talk about that is there's too many people walking in churches today that look like ice cream but are actually frozen mayonnaise. If you show up to church, I'm going to say this again. I'm not asking you to change. I'm going to tell you about a man named Jesus. And in his time, he will take you from where you are to where you need to be. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. Anything's possible. Which leads to number three. Number three. We're going to be the kind of church where confession does not lead to exclusion. Where confession... It's crazy in the Christian world today. We encourage people to confess their sins, and then when they confess their sins, there's not a safe place to say, I'm struggling with an addiction. I'm struggling with a problem. I'm struggling with mental illness. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And as soon as you admit you're struggling in the Christian world, we take you out and we put you on the sideline. You know what? If that's the way some churches want to approach it, I don't have any say. I'm just telling you, I want our church to be a place where if you're hurting, you can find hope. If you're hopeless, you can find hope. It, if, if you feel condemned, you can actually understand that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you feel like you've been an outcast, you can be brought in. If you feel like a misfit, we are the fit for you. In fact, I put this up on social media this week, um, and it got... Got a lot of likes, so I'll just put it up here. We're a church, Second Chance Church is going to be a church for misfits, failures, outcast, and outcast, led by misfits, failures, and outcast. That's who we're going to be. Because, let, let me tell you, as I read the Gospels, Jesus hung out with and used misfits, failures and outcast to change the world so at the end of the day that's the kind of church we're going to be if we're not your church that's okay praise god praise god it it just means there's another church out there for and i'm just trying to save some time but if we are your church then my hope and my prayer is that you'll understand that i'm not the show in this church nobody else is the show in this church Jesus changing lives, listen to me, in his time is what we're all about. It's what we're all about because that's what he did in my life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much.
for this thing that you started 2,000 years ago called the church and how you've told us that our main identity is to be in how we love one another. Father, I pray for every single person right now watching who feels like at some point they've been a misfit or an outcast or pushed aside or pushed away. Jesus, that they would understand that that's not your heart. That you have a desire to draw people to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed and you're watching today, maybe, 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 maybe you have had the experience somewhere in your life where you felt like you've been pushed away and you always thought it was God pushing you away. That wasn't God. God always draws you to him. You say, Perry, I don't, I don't know if God's really drawing me to him. I think God's forgotten me. I would ask you then, why are you watching this message? It's not coincidence. Maybe today you realize that you need to give your life to Jesus. You, you need to absolutely surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And ask him to come into your life. And if that's you, if that's what you need to do, then right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to just pray in your heart and just say, Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. And right now, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come in, take control, and show me how to live for you the rest of my life, the best I know how. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in Sweetwater, if you're at LifeSpring, if you just put your hand up so we would know that you prayed to receive Christ because we want to celebrate with you. If you're watching online on the Second Chance website, if you'll do the hand raise emoji or on Facebook, if you would just give us a hand raise so we can know that you took your next step and help you any way we can following up with you. If you'll just do a hand raise. We saw four people receive Christ last week, um, two, two in Sweetwater. And so you just put your hand up online in Sweetwater, Facebook, Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, for all that you're going to do. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. I know some of you are asking, you preached that entire message, and you never told us when we're opening the church. Well, it's because I wanted to keep you till the very end. It's <coughs> called strategy. We are opening the doors of Second Chance Church on sun Sunday, January 13th, 2019, we're going to have two services, 9.15 and 11.15. Um, we're super excited about this. I'm super excited. Uh, the seating capacity for the auditorium is 376 people. And so uh, that's, that's what we're going to do. That's what, we're, that's what we're ready for. That's what the Lord has given us. And we're going to take what the Lord has given us and we're going to use it um, either forever or until he decides to give us something else. But this is the day. This is the time, two services, 9.15 and 11.15. Uh, we had somebody last week um, shoot us an email and go, I came to the church and nobody was there. It's because we're not, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So it felt kind of bad. Actually, I laughed about it, um, which just shows you I'm, that whole list. I'm not temperate and self-controlled. Anyway, so that's the day we're going to start. For those of you that gave to the 250K campaign, thank you so much. And for those of you that give on a regular basis, thank you so much. We've been able to... Um, get some stuff. We're going uh, furniture shopping two weeks or when are we going? Two weeks. We're going furniture shopping 
in two weeks. We got it picked out. Don't need any help. Um, but um, we got a budget for it and everything. Um, the sound system and the lighting is installed. We're getting the nursery. We got some finishing touches to the nursery. We're getting done. It's going to be super, super exciting. For those of you that um, want to continue to give to help financially support Second Chance as we're continuing to kind of run into some expenses like, oh, we didn't know that was going to cost. Um, you can send a check um, to Second Chance Church, 2010 South Main Street, Anderson, South Carolina, 29624. Or you can go to mysecondchancechurch.com, mysecondchancechurch.com, and there's a give button in the right-hand corner. Also, 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 if you're interested in volunteering, they can do that on the website as well, right, Carly? Yes, you can do that on the website as well. Just go to mysecondchancechurch.com. Let us know that you're interested in volunteering. We would love, love, love to get you because we're going to have to start having volunteering trainings in December. Yeah. You know, as I keep looking at Carly, because I don't know the answer to this. You know why? Because I hired her, and it's her job to know the answer. It's not my job to know the answer. It's my job to preach. In fact, next week, Carly's preaching. So pray for Carly. I'm just kidding. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in this week. We love you guys. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We believe the best really is yet to come.